No, it's uh, been great, and we're always excited to uh, come and, and have the opportunity to, to share, to look out and see young people, and they change. You know, uh, Brennan used to be there, and now he has five kids, you know, <laughs> and so time changes, but uh, our God doesn't, and that's why uh, Parkside Bible Fellowship is called Parkside Bible Fellowship as we um, join churches together and we said, what are we going to call this place? And we said, well, it's by the park and we want to emphasize what the Word of God says. And thankfully, that's what God has kept doing over the years. Uh, It's 20 years ago that Chris and I left to start Cowboys Rest. Little did we know um, all that he would have done and continues to do, but it's always exciting to come back and and to see that God remains faithful. I love to come, especially on Cowboys Rest, and you guys are are, um, sort of saying, what do they do? And we're going to talk about that a little bit, but my favorite part of the service is to put Danny Clifford on the spot. (laughs) You know, he just gets so nervous, and he's just so... No, that's not true. (laughs) But... (laughs) But uh, we do. We are excited. Uh, Chris and I um, just drove in last night from Cowboys Rest. We had a, a, a day of prayer uh, for the ministry coming up, and it was exciting for seven of us to uh, walk around the property. And Chris got emotional then. I'm going to get emotional now. Um, but um, to walk around and then think of the years that God has allowed us the privilege to be there. And we sat there and uh, next to the chapel that used to be the uh, generator barn, you know, and uh, and to sit there and not just all the buildings and all the things that God has done, but the people that have been there, that have been impacted by God's grace for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you are here. Some of you uh, are around the world as missionaries. You know, and we uh, recognize that, yeah, it wasn't in vain that we ran the race. And as um, we are, are here this morning, we just uh, want to thank you for the support of, Cal- of um, Parkside Bible Fellowship, for what you have done. Many of you have volunteered uh, to come up and, and to labor. Chris says, uh, she says it in a unique way, she's amazed that we still have friends. <laughs> that, you know, people come up and, you know, um, poor Dale came up and Brian put him to work, our son-in-law. And I, you know, I was, I was worried that, you know, he was going to just bury him up there. I mean, he worked him so hard and, and yet uh, God was faithful. And uh, a lot of you have uh, have been there. A lot of you have sent your children and entrusted uh, your kids to us. Um, you saw the picture of Claire Marie. That was her. Uh, that's my favorite picture. Um, first fish she ever caught, um, and but to have her come and uh, lead uh, camp last year, and others like Sarah, you know, uh, who was there, uh, and to be able to take kids to camp from here, and then to see them grow and go into ministry, and, and folks, uh, that's what it's all about, that we've been invest in eternity. And so I want to encourage you. I want to thank you. Um, Cowboys Rest says a, a great thank you for not just the financial support that uh, the church has given, um, the and you individually, the volunteers, not entrusting your kids to us and 
Um, but most of all, and um, I guess I'm, I'm saddened that I didn't pray more for Parkside Bible Fellowship when I was one of the pastors, but to uh, recognize that uh, that's where the battle is fought, that in prayer. And we had a prayer day yesterday, and it was so good just to stop and remember and to give thanks for all that God had done. And so we uh, took the initiative, and on the back, uh, in the back, I think I grabbed one of these, there is a, um, a prayer guide. That's what we used yesterday, um, and it talks about um, some of the needs at Cowboys Rest. But most importantly, we want to thank you for your prayers. And so stop by, I'd encourage you to grab one. Um, yeah, we're praying for water. You know, the reservoir is um, three feet, almost four feet down. It was that way last year, and God provided. And we're believing that he'll do that again. Um, we have some needs in our, our staff uh, that we thought were covered, and uh, those have changed. And so we um, are just, but that's all in there. I'd encourage you, if you want to uh, intercede, um, not just for uh, the ministry, but for God to move uh, in our uh, kids that he entrusts us with. And family weekend, uh, we moved that uh, this year from 4th of July uh, to get some of the farmers from Eureka, uh, sort of in between crops, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but to, um, to encourage Marty McGinn, who is our, uh, on our board from a lot of years uh, from Georgia, will be our guest speaker. He and his family will be coming up. And we always laugh about kids grow up and figure out. Um, a lot of you that I look around and see, um, I knew before you had kids. And now, you know, God has blessed and, and children are a, a gift from the Lord. And so uh, we're excited. Uh, I could tell you a lot of stories about what God has uh, done and what he's doing at uh, Cowboys Rest. But that isn't why we're here. We're here to do what uh, your name says. It's to open the word of God. And um, to me, it's an exciting time because God has given me a, an addendum to my life's verse. And, that, and that's been pretty exciting, you know, as you get older. <clears throat> you know, when I stand up and I'm looking out and I'm going, you know, I don't feel any older. But I sure must look older because they sure do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, to, but to look and to, uh, and to be getting older. You know, I was talking to Bill Bradley and uh, we're the... The real 49ers, you know, born in 49. And Nancy says, yeah, but I'm a lot younger, you know. She was born the same year as my wife, Chris. I'm not saying what year that was. That's pretty close to Bill and I, you know. And so, uh, but to uh, look out and to, you know, you start looking and saying, you know, God has blessed uh, Chris and I. Um, 45 years of marriage that uh, is phenomenal, that I'm amazed every morning that God would bless me so richly. and uh, But to realize that as I get older, things change, you know. And um, so we were talking about what does God have next for Chris and I. And he's given us some opportunities, and that's pretty exciting. But, um, you know, just we like to have the Lord just speak to our hearts. So this year, as where Stephanie and Brennan met down at his hill, I was I had the privilege for the last 20 plus years to go and teach at the Bible school, and I've always taught discipleship. And then the year that we were there, we taught a lot of the Bibles, but 
um, they said, well, we'd like you to teach uh, Philippians and First and Second Peter. And I've never taught that in a classroom setting. And so um, usually when I, I teach, I get nervous, I don't sleep well, I eat a lot. And uh, so I'm sitting there thinking, and uh, February 4th of this year at 3 a.m., I was up reading the scriptures and just saying, Lord, what do you want to um, teach down there? And the Lord gave me an addendum to my life's verse. And it says this in 2 Peter uh, 1.13. He says, Peter's writing, he says, I think it right. And I like that, you know, just sort of, hey, I think it right. As long as I remain in this body to stir you up. And I go, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> he says, by way of reminder. But I mean, I, and I got really excited. I mean, it was 3 a.m. and I'm going, this is it. This is what God is calling us to do. Not just Chris and I, but all of us to go and to stir each other. Now, I've always had the reputation of stirring the pot, you know, whether it's at work or, or out of the, out at the ranch, you know, he said, you always stir the pot. Now I have biblical precedent to, <laughs> to go and stir the pot. But he says that we're supposed to stir each other up by way of reminder. You know, and I think that's what God is calling all of us to do. He calls us to encourage one another in Hebrews 10. He says, uh, do not forsake the gathering together as the custom of some, but encourage one, more, one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so we are to stir each other up by way of reminder. You know, and as I got excited about that and going down and, and teaching uh, these high school graduates, um, at, um, at the hill and, you know, reminding them and reminding us this morning of what God has begun to do and what he is going to do. Uh, I really appreciated the, the song uh, that we sang, Acts 4.12. You know, that's been a memory verse. And the best way I remember our scripture is uh, put it to song and uh, in order to uh, see that uh, God gave you his word, which is powerful, and a powerful instrument to put it together. You know, I'm just going, you know, it is so exciting to have God's word. And, you know, we have great music. But my day, it was Maranatha music. We just took scripture and, you know, sang that, you know, uh, what the scripture said. It wasn't always in tune. And I'm going to sing some of those for you today. I've always wanted to do that, preach and sing. <laughs> but... but um, I want to stir you up. So we're going to go to the Lord and just ask him. I'm going to ask your permission to maybe stir you up a little bit today. Not provoke you. You know, it says, uh, fathers, do not provoke your children. You know, and I've been guilty of that sometimes um, in our family and uh, even in the, uh, in the ministry. But to stir us up by way of reminder. So let's go to the Lord. And I just ask you to say, Lord, give me a heart to hear what you would have for me today. Not the person next to you, but for you individually. Would you pray with me? Father, it is so good to come into your house, to lift our praise to you, to bring that sacrifice of praise. Father, and you say that you are glorified through the praises of your people. And I just thank you for that this morning, that we could lift our voices 
and praise. And now, Father, we come and asking that you would be our teacher. Father, that you would uh, speak to our hearts, that you would stir our hearts up by way of reminder and to understand your word, Father, a little bit better as we take it and just ask you to break it up into little pieces that we would be able to digest it and to enjoy what you have for us. Help us not to just get more head knowledge, but give us that heart knowledge that would make us different people and better witnesses for you. And we thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to be in Second Kings chapter 4, but we're not going to go there right yet, because what I want us to remind us of is that there's so much in the Word that all of a sudden I'm saying, maybe the Lord's going to come back, I'm going to be preaching until He does, because if this is to remind us, to stir us up, I mean, each verse should be a verse that we would stir each other up. And uh, I would like us just to think this morning about one thing, needs. Needs in your life. Anybody have any needs? I think all of us would go, yeah, well, I'm getting old. You know, I mean, my knees aren't working good and I, you know, or I you know, want to see. Um, I know when um, I had cancer and my greatest thing was, you know, I want to see my daughter and my son's married. You know, Lord, and we have needs. And how is God going to meet those needs? And one of the things that um, we have stressed through the years is discipleship, like uh, Chris talked about, but to memorize the scriptures. Philippians 4.19 says, Paul writing to the uh, church in Philippi, he says, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that's just a simple truth. And we know that. Most of us have heard that. We've preached on it. We've heard people expound and uh, wax elegantly on what that means. And But I just want to stir us up and say, what does that really mean for me today? 2015. How is that going to happen? And then we're going to look at a a biblical illustration uh, to show that God still meets needs, just like he did back then, he does today. And so, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Philippians 4, verse 19. Um, You know, as you get into the Word, you realize that uh, those are times that God gives you to learn. And so, Philippians 4.19, Paul's writing, he says, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul begins by saying, my God. He says, my personal possessive pronoun that he uses, my God will. And so he's saying, I have a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can imagine or think, he writes in Corinthians. And he says, my God. And when we hear that word God, what do you do? You go, oh, that's special. No. What do you think of when you hear the word God? You know, and if we were in a classroom situation, uh, we would say, okay. And I'd start name, calling out names. And I'd say, Monty. You know, or Karen. You know, and but we're not in a classroom situation, so I won't embarrass anybody except Brennan. No. <laughs> but when you think of God, do you just think of just pie in the sky out there? Or is he someone that you can write and sit down and start writing? I wish that at the end of um, Sunday school 
or the end of high school when I was doing youth work, that we'd sit down and say, okay, write young people everything you know about God. How many words would you have? Or would you just go, God? You know, I wish that we would have that relationship, that we'd have that relationship with God, that when we hear the word God, this whole spreadsheet would open up and we would think about who this God is. The one-of-the-kind God, the unique God, the uh, uh, immutable God, the eternal God, the omnipotent God, the omniscient God, the one who knows the beginning from the end. That's what omniscience means, I guess. But uh, we would have a whole spreadsheet of not just words, but this is who Paul is talking about. My God. My personal God. And when we stop and we think about that, all of a sudden our attitude should change because we're talking about needs. And he says, and my God will do what? He will meet. He will supply. You know, and when we think of a supply, what do you think about? You know, just sort of, you know, haphazardly. You know, when you go and get parts and living out of Cowboy's Rest, we find that you got something breaks, you got to go to town. Instead of buying one part, especially plastic parts like they're made today, you buy two because I always inevitably turn it just one, you know, twist a little longer and it cracks the pipe. You know, and you're 60 miles away. And he says, my God will supply. He says, he will give exceedingly abundantly. It talks about that in the scriptures, that God will give us exceedingly abundantly. It's not just haphazardly. He says, and my God will supply your. God is a unique God that knows each one of your hearts. Every one of our needs are different. We might use the same words. I just want to be loved. I just have this need or that need. And maybe there are a lot of the same words, but they're all met differently. It's a customized God that's custom to us. It's not Woody and I were laughing because I had to use a lapel mic because we both have big heads. And he got the over-the-ear mic, and the other one didn't fit. Uh, and the point was that we both started looking and said, I hate one, of, you know, one size fits all. And that's sort of what the world does with their God. You know, one God, you know, whether it's one that we worship in the name of Allah or Buddha, or, you know, he just does, you know, and he's just there. But our God is a customized God. He doesn't just say, okay, run through these things and that's all you need. He customizes his relationship with us. He knows the needs that we have, a special need. We might not even understand how that need works, but he does because that's one of his attributes. He knows exactly. He knows all of our days before there was one of them, Psalm 139 says. And so we have a God who will meet your needs, your customized needs. So then he says, we're going to meet our needs. So what are the needs? Now, I am going to ask some question. What kind of needs are there? Money. But I'm looking for three. The first one starts with a P. I could play hangman here. You know. <laughs> Physical. Good. Okay. Physical needs. You know, and we all sort of go, I have a physical need. You know, how does God meet those needs? I don't know. You know, we look in the scriptures and we can go and we can look at uh, the life of Elijah. 
You know, he goes in and tells uh, Ahab it's not going to rain except by his word. And the God says, okay, go out by the book Cherith. And he provides. He brings, you know, water through the brook and he has the ravens come and feed him. He met his needs that way. And he, there's, we have physical needs that God is going to meet for each one of us differently. Are there any other kind of needs? I'm sorry? Spiritual needs. Okay, very good. That was the third one on the list, but we'll go to the spiritual, because I'm not too sure if all of our needs aren't spiritually related. Okay, and so how does God, what are our spiritual needs? What do we, do we have any spiritual needs? You bet. You know, and that's really the essence of why Christ came. We had a void that could only be filled by God himself. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him would never perish but have everlasting life. Okay, so we have a a physical need, we have a spiritual need that God meets through Christ. And we're going to see, it's amazing that he, in one sense, he customizes, but it's always the same answer. You know, it's always the Sunday school answer. It might look like a squirrel, but it's really, it has to be Jesus. You know, know that old story. But he says that we have a physical need. Um, 1 John 14, 1 through 4. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. We have a spiritual need to be with God, and God delights in meeting that need. He meets it through Jesus Christ. Okay, so we talked about our physical needs, and we have spiritual needs. Very good. Emotional needs. It's only for women. You know, no, not so. <laughs> that wasn't a slam, ladies. I'm convinced that God has made you uh, unique in the way that you are. If you were to ask any man, they'd say, who's more sensitive, you or your wife? And, of course, they would say, my wife, especially to spiritual things. But that's the way God has ordained marriage. You know, and he says in First uh, Peter 3 that he talks about the woman and uh, how she is to put herself under the authority of the man. And it's like that fine china that God has made. And he, he says that you're supposed to be under his authority. He says, guys, you're sort of like cast iron, you know. And we're like that, uh, that um, Dutch oven. And it's a great object lesson. I love object lessons. And it's, uh, you know, in a marriage that the guy covers the woman and because he is covering she is then free to be the woman that God intended her to be and to be sensitive to the things of God that's why two are better than one and so it's exciting to see that God meets our needs and he says he'll meet how many of our needs all of our needs and in scripture when you see the word all it really means all you know, every one that we have. So he said, okay, I have emotional needs, I have spiritual needs, I have physical needs, but he's not meeting all my needs. So it's either that I don't understand what a need is, or God's a liar. Obviously, God's not a liar, so I need to recognize that there's maybe a difference between my needs and my wants. You know, how many of us have a lot of wants? 
I do. And every time I come to this uh, building, I think of um, years ago when we came back from seminary, and I needed a four-wheel drive. I really did. You know, I mean, I, I got to take my family, you know, I, I talk about spiritualized, you know, to take our family chucker hunting and take my kids and teach them how to hunt and this and that. And, um, but that was really just a want, you know. Does God meet all of our needs? Yes. Does he meet all of our wants? Not necessarily. Does he meet some of our wants? You bet he does. He says, if we focus on him, that he'll give us the desires of our heart. And sometimes our hearts, you know, is on, I want, and God says, no problem. As long as it's in accordance to his will. But a need is something that we, that is essential, that we can't live without. A want is something that's a non-essential. It's not something that I come and I, um, that is necessary to survive. Jesus dealt with that in Matthew chapter 6. Remember, he says, Consider the lilies of the, uh, of the field. They neither uh, toil or spin, but their heavenly Father plants them. Same way with the birds of the air. He says, and he says, The, the Gentiles seek after all these things. But Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. He should say, He shouldn't say that he said all these things. But I would have said all these needs will be given unto you. Don't confuse God meeting our needs and making our wants. That's real important because we'll never be satisfied if all we find ourselves doing is wanting, wanting, wanting. Okay? Lord, you know what I need and you have promised to meet those needs. He says, according to his riches... You know, and that goes back to that same spreadsheet. What do you know about God? Well, I know that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, Psalm 50, uh, verse 10 says. He says in Revelation that the streets of heaven are going to be paved with gold. So it's not like he's, you know, poverty stricken. You know, he is one that has made everything. He's the one who gave everything. He's the one who created everything. And so he says, I'll meet all of your needs according to my riches, his riches, in glory. And then he says, in Christ Jesus. And it always comes back to that relationship that we have with God. So, you stir it up. Do you have some needs? you have some wants? How's God going to meet them? Don't have a clue. But I know that God will. And so what I'd like us to do is to turn over to um, Kings, Second Kings chapter 4. And we're going to talk about a lady who has needs. Okay? Second Kings chapter 4. And let's just read verses 1 through 7. This is our illustration of God's faithfulness to meet our needs. He says, Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and that the creditor has come to take my two sons or my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And he, she said, your uh, maidservant has nothing 
in her house except a jar of oil. And he said, go borrow vessels at large from your, for, for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. And, she, and you shall go in, shut the door behind you, you and your sons, and pour out into all these vessels, and all you shall set aside what is full. full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they were bringing the vessels to her, and she poured. And it came about, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God that he said, uh, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons um, can live on the rest. Sort of a unique story. You know, and it's not just one story of God meeting needs. You know, um, I, I enjoyed Sunday school this morning because they're looking at Christ in the Old Testament. And Mike said, you know, I would encourage you to, to read the Old Testament. You know, and I would do the same thing. You can't understand fully all that God is doing in the New Testament until you understand the Old Testament. And the Old Testament becomes alive when you understand the New Testament. And so it's a, it's a, it's amazing, but I think it says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. Not just the New Testament, not just when the church age starts. And sadly, we have perverted a lot of that. There's churches that say, well, my Bible begins at Pentecost, you know, in the church age, because that's the one we're living in. No, all scripture, it's profitable. Even the genealogies, you know, I can't even pronounce some of those names. But one of the most powerful messages I ever heard taught was out of uh, Leviticus talking about the genealogies. And uh, Ray Stedman was in Reno, and I sat there and I go, man, those are just the words he used. You know, so all scripture. And we look at this uh, the story and we go, yeah, but that's just a, a, a story. It's just sort of a fable, you know, that we, you know, use to, to show that God does great and wonderful things. Not true. God gives us this book to remind us. He says these are written in First uh, Corinthians chapter 10. These are written for our benefit, for an example for us. So we need to take the scriptures. And what are we going to learn from this lady? Did she have any needs? Yes. What kind of needs were they? Physical needs. You sure? Yeah. I think there was an emotional in there. What did she do? Um, yeah, Elijah, Elisha, you know, I sort of have a problem. What did she do? It says she cried out. You know, Elisha, the man of God, is walking and she says, Hey, Elisha, my, my husband's dead. She was emotional. She had a need, emotion. Yeah, she had a physical need. What was the, uh, the situation? And this is going to hurt. But she was in debt. Man. Now, don't go meddling. You know, but I want to tell you, if you can get out of debt, you know, in our day, uh, Larry Burkett was the financial Christian guru, sort of, and he always said, get out of debt. Now Dave Ramsey comes in and he says, you know what he says? Get out of debt. And yet, who are these guys? What was her husband? 
She's a man. He was a man of God. He says he feared God. He was one of the sons of the prophets. He was actually a minister for God, and he was in debt. Now, what am I saying? I'm not saying, you know, that you should go out and, you know, get in debt. I'm saying you should get out of debt if you are in debt. There's no more freeing thing in your life than to get out of debt. I'm convinced that if God were to call the Christian church in America to go to the mission field, and they all went, which would be miraculous, they'd all have to come back because their creditors would come and get them, just like this creditor came. Now, it was built into the Levitical law. You know, God knew that we have a sinful heart, and we're going to make some bad choices, and we're probably going to debt. And then he had the year of Jubilee. He had seven years, and uh, you went in, and, and um, this creditor was following the biblical principles. Leviticus chapter 29. He could go and take her sons and pay the debt that her husband, that her family owed. You know? Why did they go into debt? Why do we go into debt? Because we have a lot of wants. I needed that four-wheel drive, and when I got it, and it's the worst lemon I ever had. You know, and I just go, "Thanks, Lord." You know, it was His fault for giving me the wrong vehicle. You know, no, but uh, we have so many wants, you know, that we sometimes miss what God said, and it happened back then. The scriptures say in Proverbs, He says, "The lender, I mean, the borrower becomes the lender's slave." And that's exactly what happens. He says, you know, Paul says in uh, the New Testament, Oh, no man anything but love. Okay? That'd be sort of cool. You know, to see somebody and there used to be a debtor and now you don't know a woman. You just go, it's so good, so freeing. You know, we sang songs about the freedom that we have in Christ. One of the greatest things that Satan uses in the church today is debt. Chris and I had the opportunity to go to uh, the Republic of Georgia uh, last September, and I've never seen a group of people happier with less. Does that make sense? They had, they were so content, sort of like what Paul talks about in Philippians. I've learned to be content, and they had nothing. We stayed in a, a communist party resort. That was a big concrete bunker, literally. And, uh, and we had twin bunks to sleep in. You know, and we had a uh, hundred uh, pastors and their wives there, and it was a pastor's marriage conference. And these people would come through a translator and telling us what a blessing it was. This ministry that we're um, traveling with is uh, they are committed to having a great marriage in order to have a great ministry. And so we combined the two, and this year we're going, uh, as a matter of fact, we're going in four days to Armenia to, uh, for the same type of conference, and we're going to include parenting in it. And as they came up to us, Chris and I, and they said, we could never afford this. See, the ministry pays for all of them to come. They're like $200 for a week. You know, I mean, uh, the dollar goes a long ways over there. And it's uh, been exciting. And they go, 
you know, if these accommodations are phenomenal. And Chris and I asked them if we were staying at the same place. <laughs> you know? But they were so amazed and how blessed it was for them to come. And they were so content with so little. You know, and so what we find is that we go into debt. For whatever reason, this husband, who was a son of the prophets, he was in debt. And so she comes to him with this need. What am I going to do? And she says, um, your, your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my two sons to be his slaves. And Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, nothing except a little flask of oil. He said, well, how is God going to meet those needs? You know, and have you ever thought of how is God going to, how about this? How is God going to get me out of debt? It's impossible. But that's what God specializes in. He specializes in the impossible. You know, what did he uh, say to Abraham, my hero? He's 99 years old. No son. And he says, um, he tells him before, when he's 89, that he's going to have a son. Well, 10 years later, he still doesn't have a son. And in um, uh, Genesis 18, 14, uh, the angel of the Lord comes to him and he tells him he's going to have a son. He said, I'm going to come back in a year and you'll have a son. And he says this, is anything too difficult for the Lord? And you know the story. Comes back a year later. Sarah laughs in no way, ha ha. You know, we're old. It says they were as good as dead. You know, and they had a son. And she named him Laughter because she laughed. You know, and, and so nothing is too difficult. Job, remember Job? 42 2. The end of Job, he comes and Job is confessing who his God is. Great passage. Read the book, but sort of focus on uh, Job, uh, Job, Job 42. Uh, and 42.2, he says, I know, Job speaking, that thou, God, canst do anything, and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. I mean, I get excited. I hope you get excited when you read the scriptures and you find a verse like that, that nothing is impossible. Your hand, if you have committed it to the Lord and it's God working, nothing can thwart God's hand. Jeremiah 32, 17. And um, I was talking about Noreen's song, but in my day we sang you know, scripture. Great hymns that we're putting out and, you know, uh, Chris Tomlin and uh, the rest of the uh, modern day, I mean, great songs and great songs. But we just sang scripture. And 32.17, I asked Mike Parrish, you know, was this, uh, we always sang Maranatha music when we first started the church. And we'd have a Sunday evening, we'd go over and sing scripture. And, uh, and that's how I learned a lot of the scripture. But Psalm 32.17 says, Our Lord God. And you know, you probably know it says, Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched hand. Some of you are mouthing this. Then it says what? Nothing is too difficult for me, for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Great and mighty God. Great in power and mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. Boy, I didn't know I could go so high. (laughs) 
That's why I don't sing. Michelle was sort of covering her ears when I was behind her. But uh, he says, nothing is impossible with God. Matthew 19.26. Remember, um, Jesus is speaking and it says, that the disciples said, who can be saved? And what is Jesus' response? He says, looking upon them, Jesus said to them, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Remember what the angel Gabriel said to Mary? When she was going to have a child, and she said, how can this be? I've never known a man. The angel says to her, he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mark 10, 27 says, with man it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible with God. And so when we're looking for any other uh, way to get out of debt, any other way to meet my needs apart from looking to God, it's going to be impossible. And you might be in an impossible situation right now. And God is saying, I am available. What did she have to do? She had to go and collect the pots. You know, and so she sends her boys out and says, okay, well, the prophet said go and get a few pots. What did the prophet say? Go get all, not a few. I like that. He says, as many as your house will hold. You know, and over and over again, we see in scriptures sometimes that the prophet tell, he told Asa to strike the arrow on the, on the floor. And he only did it three times. And the prophet got mad. He says, why just three times? Can't you trust God for bigger things? Loose translation. You know, but he said, uh, he said, not just a few. She said, I don't have anything. Only a little jar of oil. And he said to her, go and borrow the vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get just a few. And you shall go and shut the door behind you and you and your sons and pour out into the vessels what you shall uh, set aside. So, that so was important. What did she do? She did what the prophet said. It's called faith. And I'm convinced that that oil started multiplying when she went and got the vessels and she got him in and she started pouring. That is exciting. What about the uh, the widow at Zarephath? Remember, and she was a widow, and, and Elijah came to her and says, you know, go and make me some bread. She's I'm going to come collecting sticks to make my last loaf of bread. He says, that's fine. Give it to me first, and you know, God will meet your needs. And she did. It's faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We are called to live by faith, not by sight. You want to please God? Live by faith. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so when we come and we have needs in our life, we need to come and fall down before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what to do here. He doesn't need, we don't need that prophet anymore. We just need to fall on our faces and say, God, Cause me, make me, because I can't do it myself. No way can I do this. And so she went in. She shut the door. You know that, and I like that. You know how are we are supposed to pray in our closet. And shut the door, and her sons are there, and they're going, "Mom, you're getting weird." You know why are we getting these vessels? You know, and why they're all empty? And she starts pouring. I mean, what an act of faith, but what a testimony. We don't know what happens to her two sons. We know they're set free from the bondage of going out and being slaves. You think they were excited? And you go and they go, 
There's one vessel. And there's two vessels. And they're starting to get the idea. And there's three vessels. And Joab is going, yeah, that's my freedom. You know, too bad, Sam. You know, or whatever. I don't know. I'm making that up. But we don't know. But they're, they're getting excited. And then all of a sudden, they have enough oil. They probably knew the commodity market, you know, and knew that, you know, five gallons of oil would buy him back and this and that. And pretty soon the whole house is full of vessels. And God meets our needs exceedingly abundantly. Don't just go as paupers and say, God, just give me a, you know, I'm just a little church mouse and just a little crumb would do. God wants to pour out the resources. He says, test and see in Malachi that I am, if you uh, give, bring the whole offering in. Well, I can't really afford to give unto God. God says, a double dog dare you. Here's him saying that maybe that's the Hebrew for that night. <laughs> he says, he says, all you have to do is come and cast your cares on him. Another song that we used to sing out of First Peter five, three, no, five, yeah, five, eight. You know, casting all your cares. Cast your burdens on Jesus, for he cares for you. That's the newer edition. Salty, the singing song book <laughs> that uh, you can tell. I'm old, and it's okay. I don't care. You know, you get that place. And uh, he says that, that we can cast all our cares upon him, for he cares for you. What does he say in Philippians 4? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, that emotional need that we have. We all need peace. We all need love. We all need to know that God is um, the one that saves us. And the peace of God which surpasses understanding. I love it. I love it when I see people walking by faith and they go, what are you doing? They go, don't know. But God has told us and led us to do this. And so we're just being obedient to him. And so as we, we begin looking, we see this woman. She responds in faith. And I think that that oil began as she stepped out in faith and gave that oil to the Lord. And he filled it up. So. Stir it up enough? Just a little more. Okay. He said, he says, when we stir, what do I do? Okay, you got me all worked up, you know, and I went in and told Chris three in the morning, hey, I got a new verse, you know, I'm supposed to encourage you, you know, and she said, oh, great, you know, go back to sleep, you know, but it's not that. He said, what are we going to do? You know, great, you know, word of God, but how are we going to apply it to our lives? You know, um, 45 years ago, Chris and I were uh, down at his Hill with students. And Gernot Kunzelmann, I'll never forget him. He was an Austrian director of the school there. And uh, he was uh, a good Austrian, of course. Uh, and he taught the book of Jonah, which is our theme at camp this year. I encourage you uh, young people and some of you that would love to come up and uh, get excited about uh, God and um, um, ending your mutiny. It's called Mutiny's End. Um, ending your mutiny against God. And uh, letting him have your life to uh, to come, but uh, he shared the book of Jonah, and um, he taught us a song, and I want to end this morning by teaching that song to you.
He says, when I remember what the Lord has done, I'll never go back anymore. When I remember what the Lord has done, I'll never go back anymore. No, 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 no. I'll never go back anymore. And it's really a simple course, and that's what he, I guess maybe we were just simple back then. (laughs) You know, and, but when I remember that he died for me, I'll never go back anymore. I remember as a, as a young believer, you know, why God, almost like Paul said in Romans chapter 7, the things I do, I don't want to do, the things I want to do, I find, uh, I don't do, oh wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this bondage of sin? He says, thanks be to God. But when I remember what God has done in my life, we were talking about it in Sunday school, why did they have to keep bringing that sin offering? What was the deterrent for that sin uh, was that it's going to cost you a lamb or something valuable to you to get back into fellowship with God, Leviticus chapter 4. And pretty soon you're out of sheep, you know, because I don't remember what this is all about. Men and women, I'm convinced that we forget the important things of life. That's why it was so great yesterday to sit up there and just take time. We are so busy that we can't take time really to remember and to be blessed by the little ones around you. To see them grow up. I don't know if I told Chris and Maria this. They were newlyweds. Pretty cute. Maria still is. You know? <laughs> and uh, no kids. And then... Uh, you know, God blessed them with three beautiful girls. And um, I said, they grow up and they're gone. Now they're empty nesters. But they're still trying to be young with uh, Bonnie and Amy sitting up close. You know, I noticed that the Dooleys are moving back. And that, you know, <laughs> but uh, um, we need to remember what the Lord has done. What has he done in your life that has made you different. That has made you a testimony for him. That's what it's all about. That's what Woody was talking about. Those are the songs that we sang. It's not just to come and sit and soak. It's to come and get involved even in your old age. The other addendum to my, uh, to my uh, life's verse was in Psalm 92. It says that even in their old age, they'll be very green and full of sap. And continue to bear fruit for the Lord. So we never get out. The only way we're going to get out of this life is through the door of death or the Lord comes back. But in the meantime, we need to be remembering what God has done in our lives so that we will continue to be used. It says, when I remember what the Lord has done. Any needs this morning? What we're going to do is we're going to stand and we're going to sing this song. There's no there's no hand motions. I wish there were. It's one of my favorites. You know, like you know, if I were a butterfly, and I just thank you. But um, let's stand together. And if you have a need this morning, we're going to sing this song. When I remember what the Lord has done, I'll never go back anymore. Just be thinking of that. And I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And if you have a need. God says, bring it to me. Now, you can do that right there where you're standing. 
Or you can come up and fall on the altar and say, God, I have a need. I don't have a clue how you're going to meet that need. But I'd encourage you, Woody and Brennan and the elders, they're available um, to come and and to pray with you. I'd be blessed to pray with you if that's your uh, desire. But don't leave this place this morning carrying that need that you have, something that only you and the Lord knows. So let's sing this song. It's real easy. I already told you the words were. I don't know why I got so dry. Too much coffee. He says, when I remember what the Lord has done, I'll never go back anymore. When I remember what the Lord has done, I'll never go back anymore. No, 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 I'll never go back anymore. When I remember what the Lord has done, I'll never go back anymore. What do you need to remember? When I remember that He died for me, I'll never go back anymore. When I remember that He died for me, I'll never go back anymore. No, 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 I'll never go back anymore. When I remember that he died for me, I'll never go back anymore. And you go, but what about when I remember that he lives in me? Good question. When I remember that he lives in me, I'll never go back anymore. When I remember that he lives in me, I'll never go back anymore. Amen. Let's pray. If you have a need, leave it here today. Or come up to the altar and just say, God, I need you. It's a great privilege. We have a great God who desires us to come. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for stirring us up. Father, help us not just to sit and do nothing, but that you stir us up to action. Father, action to be your ambassadors that you've called us to be to those in our schools, in our workplaces, wherever you put us, that we would be a testimony to you. And I just pray for my brothers and my sisters for this church, that they would uh, cast their burdens upon you, the needs in their life. Father, help us to distinguish the difference between a need and a want and trust you to give us, Father, those things that are essential to be the ambassadors that you've called us to be. Father, I am so grateful that you're bigger than all the needs of all the peoples that have ever lived. And it's just a a thought to you. Father, thank you for your greatness. Thank you that we can serve a God so great as you. Help us not to forget all that you've done. We love you, Father, and we thank you. Go before us now as we go forth into the mission field. In Jesus' name, amen.